So in this chapter, which we just read in its entirety, we see that, that Jesus is praying to his Father in heaven, and what we discover is this idea that the Father sent Jesus. In fact, I want you to notice that this idea of being sent is mentioned throughout verse 3, verse 8, twice at verse 18, verse 21, verse 23, and verse 25. Now looking specifically at these verses, verse 3, it says this, this is eternal life, that they know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. Verse 8, Jesus prays, for I have given them the words that you gave me and they have received them and have come to know in truth that I came from you and they have believed that you sent me. Verse 18, as you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. Verse 21, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Verse 23, I in them and you in me, that they may become perfectly one so that the world may know that you sent me and love them even as you loved me. Verse 25, O righteous Father, even though the world does not know you, I know you, and these know that you have sent me. Seven times Jesus uses the word sent in this chapter. In six of these uses, Jesus is referring to his Father sending him. Now this idea of Jesus being sent by the Father is mentioned throughout John's Gospel. I recently read through John's Gospel from chapter 1 through chapter 21, and as I was reading through John's gospel, I was noting all of these places in John's gospel where we find the word sent. Now, not every use of the word sent in John's gospel is a reference to the Father sending his son Jesus, but most of them are. John chapter 5, verse 24. I'm not going to give all, don't worry, I'm not going to share all of them with you but john chapter 5 verse 24 jesus says truly truly i say to you whoever hears my words and believes him who sent me has eternal life john chapter 6 verse 29 jesus answered them this is the work of god that you believe in him whom he has sent john chapter 6 verse 44 no one can come to me unless the father who sent me draws him John chapter 12, verses 44 and 45, and Jesus cried out and said, whoever believes in me believes not in me, but in him who sent me, and whoever sees me sees him who sent me. So it's very clearly established that the father sent his son Jesus, and the natural question is, well, what did the father send the son to do? Why did God the Father send His Son Jesus into the world? Now, we just got, off the, we just got through the, the Christmas season, and this is something we talked about. Right? Why did God send His Son Jesus into the world? Well, for our salvation. In fact, John chapter 3, verse 17 says, God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through Him. So Jesus was sent to bring salvation. John chapter 4, verse 34, Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Jesus was sent to do his Father's will. John chapter 17, verse 4, it's right here, chapter 17, look at verse 4. Jesus prays to his Father, he says, I glorified you on earth, having accomplished the work that you gave me to do. So Jesus was sent to accomplish the work that his father gave him to do. So looking at these references in John's gospel, what we discover, the answer to this question to be is, Jesus was sent to bring salvation. 
Jesus was sent to do his Father's will. Jesus was sent to accomplish the work that his Father gave him to do. And Jesus obeyed his Father perfectly. Jesus fulfilled the mission that his Father gave him to do. In fact, as Jesus was on the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. Jesus did exactly what his father had sent him to do. So the father sent Jesus and, we also see it here, specifically verse 18, Jesus sends his disciples. Notice verse 18 here in the 17th chapter. Now let me remind you, Jesus is praying. He's speaking to his father in heaven and, and listen to what Jesus says to his father in heaven. As... You sent me into the world, and we know why he sent him into the world. We've already talked about that. So I have sent them into the world. Now, who is Jesus referring to when he says them? Well, if we back up to verse 9, notice what Jesus says. I am praying for them I am not praying for the world, but for those whom you have given me, for they are yours. So Jesus is not here praying for the world in general. Here Jesus is not praying for every single person in the world. No, he's praying specifically for those whom the Father has given to him. He's talking about his disciples. He's talking about his followers. In fact, a few chapters later, after his resurrection from the dead, John chapter 20, verse 21, Jesus says to his disciples, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. All right, so the Father sent Jesus. Jesus sends his disciples. Well, what did he send them to do? What, what did Jesus send his disciples to do? Well, if we could use the language of Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 28. It's perhaps the most well-known to us. But in Matthew chapter 28, Jesus says that all authority has been given to him in heaven and on earth. And here's what he says to his disciples. He says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. So to use the language of Matthew's gospel, what did Jesus send his disciples to do? Make disciples. And what do you do with disciples? You baptize them and you teach them. Jesus sent his disciples to go into the world and to share the good news of salvation. I mean, think about this. If God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but rather in order that the world might be saved through him, well, then it makes sense that Jesus would send his disciples into the world to share the message of salvation. So Jesus sends his disciples. So the answer to the question, well, what is our mission at first NSB? Like, what, why are we gathered in this place? What's our business? Like, what's our agenda? It's very simple. Make disciples. 
I think when Jesus spoke those words in Matthew 28, when he told his disciples to go into all the world and make disciples of all nations, those words were first of all for them. When Jesus tells his disciples in John chapter 20, as the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you, those words were first of all for them. But I don't think it was just them that Jesus sent out. I don't think it was just them that Jesus told to go and make disciples. No, I believe that throughout the 2,000 years of church history that that missional baton has been passed from generation to generation, right? It wasn't just their mandate to proclaim the good news of salvation through Jesus Christ. It wasn't just their mission to make disciples. It's our mission as well. Right? Our mission is not to fill every one of these seats. I'd like for us to fill every one of these seats, but that's not our mission. Our mission is not to have the best preaching and the best music in this community. I'd like for us to improve in both of those areas. Our mission is not to have the best children's ministry or the best youth ministry. I'd like for us to improve in those areas. We, we want to improve in all of these areas. We, sure, we'd like to fill every one of these chairs. And go get more chairs and bring them out. But it's all for the purpose of the mission. And what is the mission? The mission is to make disciples. And what is the ultimate purpose of us fulfilling the mission? The ultimate purpose of us fulfilling the mission is for the glory of God. That is our purpose. That's why I exist. That's why you exist. To glorify God. So our mission at First NSB is the same as their mission then. Now, how long is this our mission? Until the end of 2022? No, until Jesus returns. Until Jesus returns, this is our mission. Everything we do should be motivated by our mission to make and to mature followers of Jesus Christ. So here's what we want to do. We want to help non-disciples. We want to help non-believers to become Believers, to become disciples. We want to help disciples to grow as disciples. Now think about this. Jesus says, as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. Now who's he talking to? Disciples. Again, if we use the language of Matthew's gospel, Matthew chapter 28, he told his disciples, go and make disciples of all nations. Now, who's he talking to? Disciples. What's he telling disciples to do? Make disciples. So who makes disciples? Disciples make disciples. And as disciples make disciples, those new disciples, what do they do? They make disciples. So disciples make disciples who make disciples who make disciples, right? It just keeps on going. But the people that he says to go and to make disciples, they are to themselves live as disciples. So we want to help non-disciples become disciples, and we want to help disciples to grow as disciples. Like, I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm a follower of Jesus. I believe in Jesus. I believe in his sacrificial death on a cross for my sin. I believe in his victorious resurrection from the dead. I believe in his imminent return, his at-any-moment return that could happen. And as a follower of Jesus Christ, as a disciple of Jesus Christ, I've got room for growth. My sanctification is not complete. 
as a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got room for growth. So we are about the business of making and developing followers of Jesus. So what can we do to help accomplish our mission? Like, what can we do? I mean, you think about this. This is the second Sunday of 2022. So it's a great time for us to just kind of be reminded, what are we doing? Right? What, what's this all about? I mean, ultimately, it's about the glory of God. But what is it that God has called us to do? What is it that, that the Lord has sent us to do as a church? What is our mission? It's a great time to be reminded. It's to make disciples. Okay, so what can you do and what can I do to help us accomplish this mission? And this is far more consequential than, than, than sending your teenager to go get that loaf of bread. Right? I mean, it's an important mission, but it's not world-changing. This is world-changing. Right? This is a huge mission that's been given to us. So what can we do to help accomplish this mission? Well, here's the first thing I would say to all of us. Live as a disciple. Starts with us as individuals. Starts with you starts with me like we choose we choose to follow jesus in our everyday lives like tomorrow morning monday you're going to get up and some of you are heading to work don't get sad it's not till tomorrow tomorrow morning monday the alarm clock's going to go off some of you are headed to school some of you may be headed to the beach. You may have a doctor's appointment, right? You, you, you got something going on, right? You, you've got a plan. You, you, something is going on in your life tomorrow. Maybe some of you are planning to watch a football game tomorrow night. I know I am. But every one of us is going to make a decision tomorrow, whether it's going to work or it's going to school or it's going to that doctor's appointment, or it's doing just whatever. Maybe you don't have an agenda for tomorrow, but every single one of us will make a decision tomorrow morning. Are we going to live our lives for Jesus or not? When we go into the workplace, we're going to decide, am I going to live for Jesus in my workplace? When you go back into that school, you're going to make a decision, am I going to live my life for Jesus in my school? You see, we make decisions every single day. We decide, am I going to take up my cross today? Right? I think it's Luke's gospel where Jesus says, take up your cross daily. We make a decision every day. Am I going to follow Jesus today? Am I going to live my life for Jesus today? So how can we help accomplish our mission? Live as a disciple yourself every day everywhere now you'll notice on the screen it says fourth g go we have a discipleship strategy at first nsb we have a game plan how we go about making and maturing disciples four words four verbs that begin with the letter g gather group give and go some of you may be sick of it listen if you want to substitute other words i don't care but don't substitute what it stands for right Gather group, give and go. That last G, that final G, it's referring to our everyday lives. Part of it is what Jesus says in Matthew 28. Go, therefore, make disciples of all nations. That's a part of it. That's not all of it, but it's a part of it. This idea of going is it's, it's our everyday lives. Like it's 24-7. It's, it's 
I mean, you realize that to, to, to live as a disciple means you live a life that is uncompartmentalized. Do you realize that? Like this right now in this space on Sunday morning is not the Jesus part of your life. I mean, it should be a Jesus part of your life, but, but it's not like you're living for Jesus only when you're here on Sunday morning or only when you go to your small group. Right, every single day of the week, every moment of every single day of the week is to be lived for Jesus, right? So we're not to live compartmentalized lives. You don't say, hey, Jesus, I'm going to give you 75%, but I'm going to keep 25% for myself. Jesus, I'm going to give you Sunday morning at 1030, but Jesus, I got my Fridays and Saturday nights still. Doesn't work like that. No, Jesus gets your Friday nights and your Saturday nights. He gets your every moment. Now, somebody should amen that, right? I mean... The thing is, we are to be living our lives every moment of every day for the Lord Jesus. Now, do we mess up? I mess up. And I'm thankful for 1 John 1, 9. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Amen? That's God's word. It's encouraging because I mess up. But we're to live as everyday disciples, so there's no on and off. We're to be on 24-7. We live as followers of Jesus. And part of that is, well, let me say this. A big part of that is we're in God's word. Like, we need to regularly be exposing ourselves to the word of God. Reading God's word, hearing God's word. We need to be praying. I mean, think about this. What is John 17? John 17 is a prayer. Other than those other than the first half of verse 1, the entirety of the chapter is Jesus praying to his Father in heaven. Go back to the beginning of John's gospel. What does the very first verse teach us? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now we discover that the Word is a, is a title for Jesus. So what John is teaching us at the very first verse of his gospel is that the Word, Jesus, was in the beginning. He's eternal. And he was with God. He's in relationship with God. And he is God. And then he tells us in John chapter 1, verse 14, the word became flesh and dwelt among us. So what do we discover in the pages of Scripture? That Jesus is, on the one hand, fully, eternally God. And that he became fully human. While continuing to be fully God. So if God the Son, Jesus, who existed in the beginning, was in relationship with God and who is God, if he prayed, if he prayed to his Father in heaven, why would we not? I mean, look at the example of Jesus in the Gospels. Jesus made a practice of praying. And so prayer is an important part of living as followers of Jesus. So live as a disciple. That's how we can help to accomplish our mission. But what else can we do? Well, I'm going to just cover this very quickly. We're not going to spend much time here, but those first three G's, gather, group, and give. Right? So, so, so that fourth G, go, refers to our everyday lives where we live, work, and play. Gather, group, and give is a reference to our, our corporate life, right? We gather. That's what we've done right now. We've gathered. We've gathered for the, for the worship of God. We, we've gathered to hear the word of God. We've gathered to, to, to worship and to glorify the God of heaven together. We group, right? We're, we're a part of a, of a group in our church, and, and in that group, we grow as followers of Jesus together. We're encouraged to live 
as God would have us to live. We're challenged to live. We're held accountable. And then we give, which on the one hand is we serve, and on the other hand, we financially support the mission. So what happens as we pursue our mission? I mean, think about this. What, what happened as these, as these followers of Jesus pursued their mission? Well, look at verse 20 right here in John 17. What happened as they pursued their mission? Verse 20, Jesus prays. He says this, I do not ask for these only. Now, who are these? The ones the Father gave him. He says, I do not ask for these only, but also for those who will believe in me through their word. So Jesus transitions here in this prayer where he's not just praying for his disciples who are with him at that time, but he's also praying for those who are going to believe in him through their word. So in other words, as his disciples who have been sent out, as they fulfill the mission that Jesus has given to them, other people are going to become disciples. Other people are going to become believers. And Jesus is praying for them. And what is he praying? Look at verse 21. That they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me, and I in you, that they may also be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. So what happens as we pursue our mission is that lives are transformed. Lives are transformed. I mean, as we commit ourselves to making disciples, lives are transformed. I mean, think about this. If, if, if I commit myself or you commit yourself to our discipleship strategy, and you say, you know what, I, I'm going to do these four Gs. I'm going to gather with my first NSB family for worship on Sunday. I'm going to be here. I, I'm, I'm going to be here, and I'm going to participate. I'm going to participate in the praying. I'm going to participate in the singing. I'm going to participate in the preaching insofar as I'm listening, and I'm, I'm hearing God's word being proclaimed. And I'm not just going to listen to it, but I'm going to respond to it. I'm going to do God's word. I'm going to practice it. And when I discover that my life is being lived in a way that is at odds with God's truth, I'm going to turn from my sin. I'm going to repent. I'm going to confess it. And you say, you know what, I'm going I'm to group. I'm going to do this grouping part. I, I'm going I'm to find a group to be a part of. I, I'm going to get to know a smaller grouping of people within the church. And I'm going I'm to get to know them and they're going to get to know me. And I'm going to be encouraged in that group and challenged in that group. And I'm going to learn what does it look like to live for Jesus. And I'm going to be reminded what is it like to live for Jesus. And I'm going to see what is it like to live for Jesus. And you know what? I'm not going to sit on the sidelines. I'm not, I'm not going to be like one of those fans that packs into those NFL stadiums and just watches the game and, and cheers from the, from, from the stands. No, I, I'm going to get on the field. I'm going to realize that, you know what, I got, I, got, I got a role to play in all of this. I'm going to contribute. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give of my time. I'm going to give of my energy. But I'm going to do more than that. I'm not just going to serve. You know what, I'm going to, I'm going to put my money into it. I, I believe in this mission. I believe that God sent his son Jesus into the world. He's the only hope for this community. He's the only hope for this world. He's the only savior. I'm going to financially support the mission of the church. 
and I'm going to go. And I'm going to live my life for Jesus 24-7, 365. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to pray. I'm going to obey God in my everyday life where I live, work, and play. What happens when we do that? Our lives are transformed. Right? We don't stay the same. I mean, listen, when you're exposed to the truth of God, when you're exposed to God's word, and you're not just hearing God's word, but you're doing God's word, and you're being obedient to the Father, and you're confessing your sin, and you're crying out to God to help you to be the man or the woman or the person that God wants you to be, God helps us. And we don't stay the same. We're transformed. So what happens when we pursue our mission? What happens when we commit ourselves to our mission? Lives are transformed. People come to believe in Jesus. People gather, group, give, and go. We grow as individuals and as a church. And just imagine the incredible growth that would happen if all of us committed ourselves to gathering, grouping, giving, and going. And ultimately, God is glorified. Who's a part of our church family right now that wasn't a part of our church family this time last year? Who, oh, that, yeah, raise your hand. They didn't raise their hands in the first service. That was good. That's awesome. Who is going to become a part of our church family this year that's not here right now? Who will you invite in this new year? Who will I invite in this new year? Who's going to be here this time next year that isn't here now? One of our friends? Maybe one of your friends? Maybe one of your neighbors? Maybe somebody you work with? Maybe a family member? Maybe that person that you think there's no chance they're ever going to show up. Who will we help come to faith in Jesus in 2022? Who will we baptize in 2022? This is our mission. It's not my mission alone. It's not your mission alone. This is our mission. So let, let me ask you this morning, or let me encourage you rather, to make some discipleship commitments. Right? Commit to read your Bible, to pray. To obey God. Commit to show up here on Sunday mornings. Right? Show up on Sunday mornings. And if you're sick, show up online. Right? Yeah, don't, don't share that. But, but keep that part to yourself. But, but be here, right? And there's no replacement for being here physically. But show up. Commit to be here. Commit to join a group. Serve and give. It's already said it, our, our goal is not simply to fill these chairs. We, we want to fill the chairs, but that's not our goal. Our goal is to make disciples. And all of us who are followers of Jesus have a place in this mission. And so I want to encourage us today as we're at the beginning of this new year. Let's recommit ourselves. Let's remind ourselves collectively of what we're supposed to be doing. Making disciples. Making followers of Jesus, it starts with me, it starts with you, it starts in our homes. Parents, it starts with us making disciples of our own children. But let's do it, let's make disciples for the glory of God.